Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we are going to discuss the third Sunday slash week of Advent, aka the Pink Week. (laughs) So let's get started. Or rose, as I would like to describe it, rose. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. It's it's one of those things that we find with the third Sunday, and you have what we also is known as Gaudete Sunday, midpoint of the Advent season, and it's one of those things where, as we spoke a bit about uh, the last uh, in the last session, that for Luke, uh, things happen in the midst of people's lives. They, they are not these theoretical uh, or illusionary types of things that somehow are, you know, we dream about, we, but really makes no difference. And for Luke, and we find this also in, in uh, the Zephaniah reading. Zephaniah. Zephaniah is the, uh, the book of prophet Zephaniah. Is that one of the prophets during? You just made that up. No, no, no. One of the prophets during the time, uh, shortly before the Babylonian exile. So Zephaniah is writing to the people of of uh, Jerusalem and that area. He's writing in the about six forties to early six hundreds um, before before Christ. So before Christ. it's about twenty five thirty years or so before. Uh, the Babylonian exile, when they finally were uh, hauled off in exile to Babylon. So it's, it's uh, again, that whole sense that how we live, how we wait, how we anticipate things is done in real time, real lives, real circumstances, and in real ways. And, and not only is that certainly the case, was the case for the time of the people uh, before Jesus and during Jesus' time. But it, it is also in the case in our own time. And, and when you think about the Gaudete Sunday, it's a time to sing rejoice. You know, uh, in the midst of that waiting, it's like we need, uh, we need a break. Similar to Laudete Sunday in the middle of Lent, Though we don't wear a different color vestment, though I suspect we could. Shame. Is that we need to have a break, you might say, a bit of a respite in order for us to get through the time, in order for us to be reassured that somehow it's going to be okay and that we are going to be able to to get through this time of waiting, time of anticipation. Whether it was, you might say, the, the, the short haul, you know, for, for the time in, in the time of Jesus and before, or whether it is, uh, once again, the long haul for us, where we are also in the midst of our own waiting. And sometimes the time that, that we have <clears throat> is time that's just the four weeks that we call Advent, <laughs> And because it is hard for us to wait, we are a rather impatient people, or can be anyway, is that we also need to be reminded that we're going to get through it. We will celebrate, you know, this marvelous, marvelous event that we label the incarnation, Christmas, uh, God becoming one of us. And not only are we going to get through that, 
but we are going to get through this waiting time that we have uh, when it comes to that second coming. Known only by God and God alone, but that we need to be patient, uh, we need to be strong, we need to be courageous, and we need those reminders that somehow we're going to get through it all because sometimes that waiting can just be very, very, very difficult. And, and all, as we mentioned before, all we can say sometimes is, I just need to get through it so we can get back to normal. Lord knows we, we can say a lot of that, you know, for lots of different reasons in our life. When you look at Zephaniah, Zephaniah is, um, like I said, was writing during a time where Egypt and Assyria had formed uh, alliances, but Assyria's uh, power was uh, was beginning to wane, and the Babylonians were on the rise. And Zephaniah had really been coming down hard on the people of Israel because of their idol worship, because of their trust in money, political powers, because of their, you know, all of the, the crazy stuff that they were doing. And he's really been coming down hard on them, saying, you are going to pay a terrible, terrible price for your infidelity and for your unwillingness to truly trust in God and that you are willing to trust in virtually anyone and everything except God. And you're going to pay a price. And, and Zephaniah holds nothing back when he's speaking to the people of Israel. And so now, though, at toward the end of, of Zephaniah's um, writings, which is where we find ourselves today with, with this reading on the third Sunday, is that all of that hardness, all of that critique, all of that chastisement uh, comes and is wrapped up, in a sense, in a, a, a tremendous, tremendous uh, uh, writings voice of comfort and reassurance. Is 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 hard of a nut Zephaniah can be, is that there is this this real sense of, of comfort, and as I mentioned before, this is all happening in the lives of in the real lives of the people that he is talking to, and he ends his writings about the early six uh, hundreds, uh, and as we know, it's. It's 580, uh, yeah, 587 BC. That's when the Babylonian exile comes into play. And so it's about 20 some years before. And, and all of this political intrigue and drama has been taking place. And the, the, um, the warnings, uh, the calling to task that Zephaniah has been doing basically is now happening. And they need to be comforted that, you know, th th things are falling apart. Um, the uh, Assyrian uh, power is falling apart. The Egyptian alliance is falling apart. The uh, certainly, you know, little Judah sitting in the midst of these major powers. It's, it's as a, um, a gentleman uh, once shared with me, when you're a mouse and you sleep with an elephant, whether it's a good elephant or a bad elephant, when it turns over, you're screwed. <laughs> and and this Squish. is Judah. This is Judah. You know, they're, they're in the midst of elephants. And there's another saying that when the elephants dance, it's the mice that pay. Um, <laughs> Unless they've got fast feet. Yeah. 
So it's and, and so again, this describes Judah in the midst of all of this, and and they are recognizing they are going to pay a terrible price because you know something is going to happen, and you have the like I said, Egyptian power, Assyrian power, but now you have this massive power of the Babylonians that is just coming and steamrolling everything else. And, you know, as things happen, you know, it's, it's always some power, you know, doing something. And eventually it's the Persians, though, who finally, in, you know, get rid of the Babylonians. And it's the Persians that eventually allow the people of Israel to go back and rebuild their temple. But they need the sense of comfort, waiting. When is this going to be over? It's also found in so many ways, it's found in the letter of Paul to the Philippians. When Paul, you know, is writing to the Philippians, basically he's sitting in prison not knowing if is today the day he might be released or is today the day that he dies. And yet, when he is writing to the Philippians, he is saying to them, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. He talks about a sense of joy, a sense of hope, but it is not equated with, you know, happy, happy, joy, joy, being able to be at ease, being able to be at rest, that type of thing. Paul never really defines what that rejoicing and being joyful really is. It's more by his example of being under house arrest, that it's really by example that he shows the people what it means to be joyful. Uh, even in the midst of, of some very dark times. And so Paul, uh, more by example than anything else, again, during those dark moments when he is waiting for not only is he waiting, obviously, for the second coming of the Lord, and it's still at a time when they're expecting this to happen very soon, mm -hmm. um, but he's also, it's also a matter of, of living this, anticipating things, waiting for things, in the midst of your own dark moments, or at least what could be, uh, waiting to figure out what's going to happen here. What, what's going to happen with the powers that be? What's going to happen with those people who have really ultimate, you know, are making going to make decisions ultimately over his life? What are they going to decide? And how is he going to respond to it? He says, even in the midst of all of this, be joyful. And he gives, in a sense, and doesn't define it, but he, he might say, if he defines it in any way, it's by his example rather than saying, and this is what that looks like. Do it, and this is what it looks like. In some ways, in a lot of ways, not just some, he is taking the example of Jesus and, you know, and saying, love God above all else, I'll love neighbor as self, uh, and this is what it looks like. And Jesus gives the example, not so much by defining by words, as much as saying, and I'm going to live the way that it looks. I'm going to show you what this all means. Like, and it wasn't always a pretty time. It wasn't always laughing. Is it, you can find these moments 
But this is hard to do, and, and Paul is showing a lot of that also. So it's, it's that sense of that we find that all of this is done in real time and in, in real ways of life. So then if you jump to the gospel, uh, with the gospel again written by Luke, is that this, this gospel uh, here again, when it talks about John the Baptist and, and what these people are coming up to John the Baptist and say, or asking him or saying to him, tell us what this means. Tell us what we have to do uh, to allow this to happen. You are asking us, you know, to repent. You are asking us, you know, to somehow change the way we live. Tell us what this looks like. And so then it's John the Baptist, again, in the theme of Luke that says, you know, if, um, if whoever has two cloaks, share one. Whoever has food, share it. Tax collectors came to be baptized. They said, teacher, what should we do? Stop basically ripping people off. This is not a theological head trip. This is the way that we are to live each and every single day. And in some ways, that it's, it's an important reminder for us because when we look at a season like Advent and, and, and what Advent season, season really tries to pull out of us is that so often Advent can become so theoretical. It can become this theological, you know, ideal that said, oh, we, you know, the Advent and we're waiting and it's a big hairy deal. Who cares? Let's get on with Christmas, light the doggone tree, let's rip open the presents, and, and let's, let's start eating and drinking. As, a, as opposed to saying, no, this stuff has to somehow make a difference in the way we live, um, in, in, in how we share our food, and how we are generous, how we are able to live as people who anticipate something yet to come. And celebrating Christmas helps to bring that sense of joy and hope that helps us to say, okay, we're going to keep on waiting. We're going to keep on waiting. And, it's, it's that, and that's really, you know, in many ways, what John the Baptist is saying, as you prepare yourself, as you do these things that really can help change your, you know, change your heart. As you start to make a difference in the way you treat your brothers and sisters, you then become more and more prepared to encounter that one whose sandals you are not worthy even to untie. We become more and more prepared to welcome that one into our lives who is nothing less than the son of the divine one we become more and more ready and willing to hear what he has to say and to experience the joy that, that he is trying to bring into the lives, into a time that so many ways can be a time of darkness. And so it's, 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 it's getting that respite that we need because the waiting and just the wearing down that sometimes life 
can do to us. We can just sometimes just want to say, oh, for goodness sake, go eat chips and don't worry about spoiling your dinner. <laughs> you know, who cares if you have a mess in your bedroom? Who cares if, you know, the, the house? Who cares about going to work? Who? And I wonder if at times some of the things that we experience in, in our world today is not in ways some of that darkness kind of taking over is not sometimes or maybe in some ways that sense of of despair or hopelessness is 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 taking on you know is is maybe taking on a more and more important part in our lives and we're just saying I just don't care anymore I, I just let it let it it'll be whatever it'll be and and who really cares and you know Gaudete Sunday can say to us, no, don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. And recognize that we can make a difference. Recognize that we can, through our own example, we can, we can change the world in which we live. And, and sometimes we just need to be encouraged to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, you said it's rejoice, is that's the... Rejoice. Okay, so it is hard to think about, you know, Advent and preparing and waiting, and but then also rejoicing at the same time, you know? Yes. It's a hard concept to think about. And then you add on to that the realities of our lives today, this little thing we call COVID (laughs) and and viruses, the, the economics... Mm-hmm. of our world the the politics of our world i mean these, mental health for people yeah this time these of year things really weigh on people i i didn't i tend to be a, a very upbeat person i mean that's just my nature um but what i have found in some ways is that that there are a lot of folks that are really feeling the weight of this and are, are, are coming close, some, you know, are coming close to despair of, you know, who cares? This world is all going to hell. Um, you know, is God even here anymore? Does God even care? Um, is this the coming of the end of the world? And, and you hear that uh, in sometimes in the words people use. <laughs> They use apocalyptic literature, which I know you love that mm-hmm. word. They use literature that speaks of that whole sense. It's coming to an end. And you will, you will find people say at times, you know what, I'm glad mom and dad are gone because they would not have wanted to live in this world. I can't wait until I'm gone too because I'm just tired of living in this world. And so you're right. It is difficult to have a sense of rejoicing and such. And and I think the church in her wisdom, whether it's Advent and then eventually Lent, I think the church in her wisdom, wisdom, even with rose vestments, (laughs) Pink. Is is able to to say, you know, we need a bit of a respite. We just need to be able to stop and and breathe deep for a moment, 
remind each other and remind ourselves. <laughs> Marie's really trying to kill you I with tell that kind. <laughs> remind ourselves that um, there is reason to have hope yet. That God is not done with us and that you know, we, as, as Jesus would say, it is the Father and the Father alone who knows the day and the time. So let's not waste our time trying to figure it out. And Lord knows there have been plenty of groups, as I mentioned, you know, that have tried. Mm -hmm. Is that it goes, in some ways, it goes back to the, to the book of Ecclesiastes. There is a time for everything. And when we look at it, in some ways, in a very practical way, we are able to recognize that there is a time for this. And it doesn't mean that God has abandoned us. It's just recognizing there are times for these things. And so there is also a time for a sense of joy. And that, that joy, that reminder, even, even with color or with the readings that we have, because what you, you find in the uh, also... Uh, for example, in the psalm, uh, in the psalm that we have, I that we have here. Oops, um, <laughs> let's see. It's where did it go here? I was looking for the context of the where it should because it's supposed to be in the psalm. Um, I guess it's not. It's Between not the first and psalm. second readings, usually. Yes, yes, I, I, I do know that. Um, no, it, it's, it's found. I know that there's psalms that they don't use that psalm this year. Um, that particularly in Paul's letter, again, rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again, rejoice. <clears throat> Even in the midst of, of, of the darkness, there is always light. And, and that's, in some ways, you can... <clears throat> You can uh, recognize that, you know, the the light, the darkness will not overcome the light. And and you know, and Christ is that light for us. He, he is the one, and we need to remind ourselves of that. We need to reassure ourselves of that, and we need to be able to take these moments or the time that we have and saying, you know, uh, Lord, you know, I'm I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to work at being that person uh, that you ask me to be. I'm going to work at that even in the midst of the darkness of my life, I am going to work at knowing what it means to be a person of joy and to rejoice. Even when I know <clears throat> that at times I deserve sometimes the dark stuff that happens because of my own choices, its consequences. Uh, and, that, and those are the, the, the prophets that... Of uh, like Ze uh, Zephaniah. Zephaniah. Zephaniah makes it very clear to the people, as does Isaiah and Jeremiah. What is happening to you is a result of your sinfulness. You have no one else but yourself to blame. Now, obviously, they are speaking to the people of Israel in that day and age, and I certainly do not mean to give the impression that. Everything that is ever bad that happens to us somehow is our fault. I do not want to say that at all. Uh, but there are, however, there are times when the consequences of our decisions, and this is where Zephaniah and Isaiah and, and Jeremiah come in, 
is that Zephaniah makes it clear the consequences of your sin, you know, you are paying the price. And, but even during that, that sense, but this will not always be this way. There will come a time when you will once again know healing, where people will once again stream into Jerusalem, where the temple will once again be the place of worship, where you will know peace and prosperity. Um, it may not be right now, but there will come a time. And I think there, that's a gentle, gentle thing for us in many ways too. It's, it's to be able to remind one another. And I have said this even to folks who have talked about sometimes, whether it's politics or church or whatever, it won't always be this way. When you look at church history, and I enjoy church history, is that when you look at church history or any kind of history, there is there are cycles mm-hmm. for lots of different reasons. Sometimes it's just plain the the evil of human human condition. Other times it's it's by guess and by gosh. Other times, who knows? But it doesn't always stay the same. It may be that way for a while, but it doesn't always stay the same. And Gaudete Sunday, Rejoice Sunday, Rose-Colored Sunday, Pink, <laughs> can remind us that this too will pass. And we must trust that as we grow in faithfulness, that, that God is in charge of all of this. It's kind of like a rejoice and hope type of thing. Yeah, it, it, it really is. It, it really is. And say it's very, and it's very real. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we can uh, um, we can convince ourselves more and more um, that uh, and and the more that we convince ourselves of darkness. <laughs> Thought I was going to sneeze. Yeah. Sorry. Um, the more we convince ourselves that all is darkness, all becomes darkness, and it's. Um, <clears throat> It was the gentleman. I just lost his name. The the the, the um, psychologist that was uh, that was here that to talk to us. Um, I, I just I, I apologize. I can't, My brain can't. says Mitch. Was it a Mitch? Mitch Miller. That's okay. it. Mitch Miller. Not that Mitch Miller. A different Mitch Miller. Um, I don't know which first well, Mitch Miller. Mitch you're Miller. About. For people well who may not be listening to this, they would know Mitch Miller, the band leader. Um, Glenn Miller? I know Glenn Miller. No, there was a Mitch Miller. Oh. Yeah, Glenn Miller. There was a Glenn Miller, too. Those Millers. Yes. But he was saying that a lot of times <clears throat> when he speaks with, with people who are depressed or, or are, are struggling with different things, is that just, you know, it's, it's not always because somehow it's an outside source that at times we can convince ourselves to be depressed. And he said that any number of times that depression can be because we have convinced ourselves that that's what we are. And he said, and when we convince ourselves of that, or as we as we can do that, mm-hmm. so can we convince ourselves not to be depressed. That And, and that, that's not all cases. There are lots of different factors. But he said one of the factors that, that can really make a difference is how we talk about things, how we describe the world in which we live, 
how we describe ourselves and the circumstances that are part of our lives. Uh, he said, the approach that we use can make a huge difference as to how, you know, depression can take hold or not take hold. Mm -hmm. Not in all cases, but there are those. And, and so... The brain is a funny, funny oh, thing. It's, it's an incredible, incredible thing of being able to recognize that we can really talk ourselves through, you know, the, the, the darkness that we can sometimes feel and recognize, wait a minute, there's a lot of good happening too. And I know that the times I've used that, you know, you, you, you know yeah, you, you know a lot of bad things and you know all of that stuff. Okay, you, you know all of that. But I also recognize in a lot of ways, there's a lot of goodness. You know, I, I watch the kids in the playground. You know, they can be squirrely, <laughs> but there's a lot of goodness in the children, you know, and to watch them play. And You said to, you threw a football the other day. I did. And I probably threw out my shoulder too, but <laughs> haven't done that in a while. It didn't go nearly as far as I thought it would either. Uh, <laughs> go long. Oh, not that long, uh, apparently. The it's it's amazing how when we when we really open our eyes is that we can see that that there's a lot of light in the midst of sometimes what seems to be darkness. I, I, I sometimes reflect that on that uh, when I'm driving home. I, I have a ways to drive home and, and I'm driving home primarily through country to countryside and in in the Kettle Moraine area. And it's remarkable as you you just kind of you know zone a little bit you know driving the roads at night, uh, but then you know you 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 spot a Christmas tree that's lit off in the distance, and and I really like the ones where people have taken the time to 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 put lights on a tree way out in the middle of a field someplace, mm -hmm. and you say how the heck do they keep that lit? But nonetheless, it's great to be able to see that because there is that sense. A little bit of light in the darkness, you know, and it's it's wonderful to to see, and uh, wonder and awe and yeah, joy and yeah, and it just it can lift your spirits as you're you're driving home and you know you're pondering whatever you're pondering and say the beauty of the lights or or the whatever it might be you know mm -hmm. in some of the people's homes, those kinds of things can make such a huge difference as we. You know, as, as we go through a world that at times can seem really dark. Um, and, and it's what Paul was doing. It's what John the Baptist was doing. It's what Zephaniah was doing. It's what the church does, too, as we, we approach and we celebrate this third Sunday. Um, some wonderful things that can, just some, a, a bit of joy that can be brought to the world. Yeah. Just two side notes. One, um, this is going to like sound bad on my part probably but when you said Zephaniah I how many times have I heard this reading I'm sure and I was like no that's not a real book in a bible that can't be it then I looked it up and no of course it is I mean I didn't think your book would be wrong but no it's one of the minor problems yeah so we don't we don't hear from him very often and there's only three chapters in his book or yeah. her book I don't know his his book we assume um, yes we assume uh, you're right. It's it's a it's a small book. It's one of the minor prophets, but one of those prophets again that really came down hard. Now Amos, you I'm sure you've heard mm -hmm. of Amos. Amos is one of the minor prophets also. Is that 
Amos, Zephaniah, a couple of these really come down very hard. <laughs> uh, and they deserved it, I mean, for the stuff that they did. And they did some pretty ugly stuff. But you're right, we, we do not hear from Zephaniah very often. Um, and it's, it's basically, you know, during this Sunday, and there's, a I think, once or twice that we might hear from Zephaniah other than that. But uh, yeah, That just, name must not have just stuck in my head, yeah. Zephaniah. I think we hear Zechariah sometimes, we yeah. do, and, and such. But yeah, Zephaniah is, is one of those prophets that can be really harsh, but just very, very gentle and comforting here. <laughs> Um, and the other thing I was going to mention is last year we did a whole podcast about the old antiphons, and that starts the third week of Advent on the 17th. That is, yeah, that's correct. So if you want to learn about the old antiphons, go back and look for our podcast from last year. But that excites me because I like them a lot. <laughs> yeah, it, and it all, that is one of those things that that in some ways is very traditional, but also it's one of those things that can bring some joy, mm-hmm. you know. And we and we need those things. We just and sure. you know, Gaudete Sunday, Rejoice Sunday, uh, Rose Sunday Pink. <laughs> can help to do that and can bring a little bit of light where sometimes it seems rather dour and dark. Mm-hmm. Well, rejoice with that! Woohoo! Indeed. We are going to leave it there for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you have a great. Gaudete week. Exactly. And we will see you next time.